0: my message today is called God's Goodness in Suffering. God's Goodness in Suffering. And uh, I don't know, is is, is 2020 maybe the, the worst year ever? You think it is? Some of you say no. I think I'm going to give you an argument for that it's the worst year ever, except for the year that Noah's flood hit. Maybe. <laughs> but I think it's a pretty bad year. I mean, Here are some of the things that happened this year. I got this off the internet. These are real things, though. But, you know, one thing that happened is that there were fires that took place all over, right? In California, there were terrible, the worst fires ever. I didn't get the acreage amount, but it was a crazy amount of acres that burnt. But it wasn't just California, right? It was Australia. Australia had crazy fires, too, and and we heard about it for months that they were out of control. Matter of fact, they say that over 500 million animals died during those fires. That's a lot of animals, huh? And then there was political unrest everywhere, and especially here in the U.S., right? I mean, we we even had an impeachment here in the U.S. That doesn't happen very often, that a, a president gets impeached. Whether you like him or not, it's an awful thing that happened, and uh, and it caused uh, great turmoil in this country. You, do you know that there was gigantic whale beaching in the world this year? Did you know that? In Tanzania, off the coast of Australia, 450 whales beached, and they were able to get several of them back, but over 350 whales died being beached off the coast of Tanzania. That's terrible. Don't you think this is the worst year ever? I think it is. Thank you for joining in with me on that. How about this one? World War III almost happened with Iran. Did you know that? We were so busy with other things that were going on that were miserable, we didn't even realize that Iran was really ramping up in the nuclear area, and there were threats being thrown around. Now, thank goodness, I think I think some of that's a little resolved, although there was even something just a couple days ago in the news about that. But that was there. There were racial riots everywhere! Oh my goodness! What a terrible thing to have people think that that they aren't as valued as others in this country, right? What what a terrible thing that's happening in this country. This is the worst year ever. You got to say it with me later here. We got to do this. It's the worst year ever. We had the largest stock market fall in the history of the stock market this year. I'm telling you, this is the worst year ever, you guys. I mean, it was terrible. It was almost to the point where where we could have had a, a depression. I mean, the government put trillions, not billions, trillions of dollars to work to keep the economy going because of what was going on this year. It's the worst year ever, I think. There were floods in Somalia, terrible floods in Somalia, Some people think this was the worst thing that happened this year. Kobe Bryant died, right? Terrible things happened this year. Did you know that there was a swarm of locusts that took place in the Middle East? Billions and billions of locusts just were all over the place, just eating everything, devouring plants and agriculture, destroying things. Man, this is the worst year ever. It sounds like it sounds like the plagues, doesn't it? Aren't you glad you're here today? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we have to laugh a little, right? I mean, this is all real and 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 we're talking about suffering. People suffered this year. We suffered this year. Of course, you know, there was an earthquake in Utah. Oh my goodness, do you, do you remember when that happened? We all said, could anything else happen worse than this? And the earthquake happened to surprise us. And then in the middle of this, of course, we, ha- we have a pandemic. In the middle of all this stuff, a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic that, that impacted 217 nations. That's almost the entire world. How many nations are there in the world? I shouldn't ask questions I don't know the answer to. <laughs> but there's there's a few more but not more, not that much more. 217 nations were affected by this. 58 million people got COVID so far, and 1.4 million people uh, were, uh, died as an attribution to, to COVID. Whether you believe that or not, that's up to you. That's what's being attributed to COVID deaths. 1.4 million people. That's half of the state of Utah. Just look around. The person right next to you, gone, right? My wife's laughing at me like she's going to shut me up in a minute. <laughs> what has this all done to our collective psyche? I mean, really, this is just crazy what has gone on. And, you know, I I, kind of like to take a step back every every once in a while, kind of look at myself and and kind of aware of what I'm thinking and stuff. And, man, I just, I'm shocked. Are you guys shocked? It's a shocking year. It really is. So let's vote? Can we vote? We're going to do a vote. You guys online, we want you to vote too. So put in the comments if you want to vote for for this year being canceled, 2020 being canceled. Okay, we're just going to cancel the whole thing. It's almost the end of the year. We could just erase it. Everything that happened, erased, and we will just move forward like none of this ever happened. Can we do that? Okay, so we're going to vote here, but we want you to do this online too, all right? So We're going to vote here. Who wants 2020 canceled? Raise your hand. Most of you guys aren't raising your hand. I'm a little confused here. I'm a little confused. I have no idea. I'm a little verklempt here. I don't know why that is. Maybe 50-50. I'm going to have to interview some of you guys who didn't raise your hands. Well, I'm just thankful that Thanksgiving is coming up. How about you? I'm thankful for Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to think. It, it, uh, what, what are we going to be thankful for? I think we have a lot to be thankful for in this crazy, crazy year. I personally uh, am excited that 2020 happened, even in the midst of the suffering that we all faced, because I think God is on the move. Amen? God is on the move. But for this year, I think we should do what what Jody Van Re who came over for Thanksgiving one year, uh, called our Thanksgiving at my Jewish home. She called it thanks kvetching. Kvetching is complaining. So this is kind of like a combination of thanking and complaining at the time, the same time. Thanks kvetching. Can you say that with me? Thanks kvetching. So you can, thanks kvetching is you are being thankful, but it sounds like complaining. You put the two together, and it works really well. So it's like this. My dog didn't die. So you're thankful, but it sounds like complaining, right? Another one is the big one didn't hit. The big one didn't hit. Or, or this one. This one. And, uh, and, and this one is a really important one. My colonoscopy is clear. I'm glad you guys are laughing. I was really iffy about that one. (laughs) Okay. It's good to laugh a little because, you know, we're talking about suffering, and we are going to talk about suffering. But I want to get us all on the same page here. You know, my my first question that I want to ask is, is, what is your view of suffering? What's your view of suffering? Christianity sometimes is viewed as an upgrade. It's kind of like going from coach to first class. And you know, coach, you're you're sitting in this in this little seat and you, you can't cross your legs. Even short people like me, you can't cross your legs, and you're just sitting there, and you're just waiting for your cup of free water and and some very stale nuts. You're just sitting here. And and Christianity is sometimes looked at as that upgrade going to first class where you have a little more room, and you know, you can relax a little, you can put your seat back, put your feet up. You actually get a hot meal. Sometimes Christianity is looked, looked on like that. And you know, you guys know the scripture uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and not to curse you, to give a, you a hope and a future. And uh, you know, sometimes uh, that that scripture can sound like, "Hey, you're gonna get all, you're gonna get a, a, a raise, and you're gonna you're gonna have a great family that just uh, just gets along well together." How many have a family that? Gets Gets along really, really well together. Oh, good. Well, that's because all your kids are are out of the house, George and Hannah. (laughs) Now, I think I heard that that George doesn't get along with you, Hannah, very much. So you know it 's kind of like the american style of jeremiah twenty nine eleven it 's like everything is perfect and and so we have a very uh confused and 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 so when they 're suffering, we get confused a little it 's like what's going on here? Have you ever said that like why is this happening? I know you have i hear i hear you know, when people are struggling, I hear that. Why is this happening? And I think it's a legitimate question to ask. But I think it's because we we don't understand God's view of suffering. And our view of suffering is just a little different than that. Yes, it's our best life that God has for us. But what does that actually mean? What does that actually mean? Well, you know, Jesus in, in Matthew 16 says this. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. You remember the first time you read that scripture when you became a Christian? Well, I know I remember. I said, what did I get myself into? Seriously, I wondered what was up. You know, I thought, I thought I was getting the upgrade. I thought everything was going to be good now. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be challenged in anything. And I, I had first class now. I could put my legs up and I could relax. And I thought that's what, it, that's what this was about. But this is what Jesus said. Pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. I think that this is an important thing to get in this year, this year that we almost canceled, right? We need to get this. If this is what Jesus said, then maybe we don't need to be so surprised when suffering happens. We don't need to be totally destroyed when suffering happens and as you can see as we move forward in in this talk uh, i want to share on how we could thrive how how we could see the blessings of god when suffering happens in our lives and through our lives i want to talk a little in second corinthians chapter four and i just want to give a little context this is paul talking to the corinthian church and um you know, they've, they've had their ups and downs. They've, uh, Paul's written to them a couple times now. Uh, one letter we don't have. Uh, 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 but uh, in these letters, he's, he's corrected them. And uh, he's now talking about the gospel here. This incredible gift that we have been given, the good news. How many thinks we need good news in a year like this? Yes? We need good news in a year like this. And this is what Paul is talking about, is the good news. And what he's saying, starting with verse 7, is we have this treasure in jars of clay. What treasure is this he's talking about? He's talking about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have this good news in jars of clay. What's the jars of clay? It's us. Why jars of clay and not jars of iron? Or, um, you know, some magnificent gold orb that we're going to, that uh, represents us. Because we are weak, right? We are broken. And uh, we have cracks. where we're, we're brittle. And, and, and the idea is, for this very purpose of, to show that this uh, all-surpassing power is from God and not us. So he starts off this scripture by saying, look, here is the gospel. Here is the incredible good news. It is being placed inside of each one of us. Each one of us, broken, weak, exhausted, struggling. That's who we are. It's okay to admit that. You know, I I know... I know a thought process that's out there that I don't agree with that basically denies the fact that we are who we are and saying, no, I am I am this, I am that, I am strong, I am so-and-so. But you're going to see right here that, that what Paul is saying is admit who you are, admit where you're at for the very purpose of pointing to the fact that God's all power. This all-surpassing power is from God and not us. This is from God and not us. And then he goes into, into this, uh, th- this wonderful section here in verse 8 and 9. He says, we are hard, it doesn't sound wonderful, but it is. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. You feel hard-pressed? Is there a pressure in your life right now that is pushing on you related to something that's going on in this world or in your personal life or you're, you're worried about something, your finances are struggling, you're wondering what the next day will bring in the middle of one of the worst years that we could ever remember? That pressure is pushing on us, but we are not crushed. The pressure is there, but the crushing isn't. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are perplexed. I am perplexed. Come on, are you guys? It's like, what is going on this year? We have plagues and and, and locusts that go out across the, the part of the world and eat up and destroy and earthquakes and unrest like we've never seen. Maybe since the 60s or maybe even before then, we have all this happen. Our financial structure that holds this entire country together was almost about to break. We're perplexed, like, what's going on here? But we're not in despair. We don't need to be in despair. We're going to talk about this. We do not need to be in despair. And not only that, we have a hope that we could share with so very many other people. Yes, we can share this hope. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. This is, this is the important turn of events here. There is a so that, and he uses this phrase several times. There is a reason. When you understand the reason, when you understand, when you pull back, and you understand the whole picture, you don't get destroyed. You don't get destroyed. And so he says, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. As we're weaker, as we're struggling, as we're dealing with with things that maybe cause us suffering, we are revealing the fact that it is God who is in charge, and that life is being expressed in our life. Can I say That it is really important, and we'll go into this a little further in the scripture, but we can't say, I am strong, because we are going to miss out on God being strong. We need to say we are weak, we are jaws of clay, we are being persecuted, we are confused, and yet God is being glorified in our bodies. So it's okay to say that. It's okay to say that we are struggling. It is okay to say that we are suffering. Paul embraces it here so that God would be glorified. God would be glorified. Verse 11 says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Suffering reveals true life. We're in a year of suffering. This is God's goodness for us. If if suffering wasn't allowed, we would be missing out on the life of Christ in this way. And it's a very profound way. So then, verse 12... Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And we're going to look at this in a little while as we, as we go through the rest of this uh, talk, because not only is suffering good for us, suffering in us is good for others and a blessing for others. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying that, that he was suffering, and because of it, they were being blessed. They were being blessed. It is written, verse 13, I believe, therefore I've spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit. This is just beyond our understanding. I know it's hard to get. It's so backwards in our minds that suffering is for our benefit but this is what paul inspired by the holy spirit says to us all this is for your benefit so that why the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of god this is the wonderful picture that he is presenting right here, he kind of encapsulates this in this wonderful phrase, is is, this is, this is a benefit. Suffering is a benefit not only to you, but it glorifies God and it ministers to others and brings hope and life to others. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Earthquakes, pandemics... Our personal emotional life, dealing with the the struggles that we face. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. There it is. There is a wasting away that takes place on the outside. And yet God has for us this renewal, this renewal. If we just surrender and allow this suffering to have its course in our lives, instead of resisting it and saying, no, I will not have this in my life. Allow it to happen. Now, If I were you, I wouldn't run towards it. (laughs) You know, we don't have to do that. But when it comes, don't resist. Allow it to have its effect in our lives. That is God's goodness for us. Why? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen Uh, uh, Not what is seen but what is unseen since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal our light and momentary troubles What a funny way to describe this year Light and momentary, but it is in the light of the glory of God and the eternal nature of God so what are we saying here? We're saying that we are vulnerable. We are weak. And we have this great news inside of us that we could give to others. And suffering, suffering happens in our weak state. And we shouldn't resist this stu- suffering, but recognize that out of suffering comes life. Death brings life. That's what Paul is saying. It's for our benefit and not only for our benefit, but for those that you love, your family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, that they would experience what is happening in you and find hope as well. You are a vessel of hope for the people around you in the middle of this year, in whatever else we face going into the next months and year ahead. So we can be very encouraged. And we can encourage others. Amen. Amen. What's the perfecting nature of suffering? And this answers a lot of the why questions. Answers a lot of the why questions. Remember, Paul was saying, so that this would happen. So that this would happen. He's answering the why questions. We need to answer the why questions because as a pastor for many years, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening? Well, I first want want to talk about two scriptures about the why, which is the perfecting nature of suffering. The first is in Isaiah 53. Now, this is, this is a, a prophecy about 600 years before Christ. And it's a prophecy about him and his death. And it, it's describing who Jesus is and what he's going to go through as the Messiah, as the Savior. It says he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. A man of suffering. He's not like a guy who suffered a little. He is a man of suffering. And familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. We held him of low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He bore our suffering. Yet he was considered punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You might never ask God why again when you look at this scripture in light of the suffering that brought us peace, that brought us healing. It was Christ himself. He was pierced for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was punished, and it brought us peace. He was wounded, and it brought us healing. This is the perfecting nature of suffering. That these painful things would take place that would bring life out of them. And now how does this kind of relate to us? We're going to look at this in the context of another scripture that Paul wrote talking about his own suffering. He struggled, he suffered in an area that was called the thorn in the flesh. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 it says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, and this was because God had revealed himself in such a magnificent way to him. He, he sensed that, that God was helping him to learn and to grow through this process. I was giving, given a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that is, but it was a form of suffering. A messenger of Satan to torment me. These are pretty powerful words. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times the, uh, the great Apostle Paul prayed, Lord, please answer my prayer. Please take away this pain, this suffering that I am under right now. Three times. Can you relate? Area in your life where you've struggled and, and you've prayed to God, please take this away. Please bring healing. Please do a miracle. Three times the Apostle Paul asked. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Again, we have that clay jar. We are weak, we are struggling, the pressure is on. There is something about the grace of God in this pressurized situation that does something wonderful, wonderful, that we have to understand and we have to embrace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, the suffering that he faced. He was delighting in these things. This is just weird. We don't want to do this. There has to be a grace change in our life to really get this concept. Because the kingdom of God concepts are so different than our world concepts. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I'm strong. So in the, scri- in the scripture, in, in, in verse 9, it says that my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That word perfect is the word teleo. It is the same root of the word that is used when Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished. It is finished. Wow. It is finished. It is complete. It is done. It is perfect. Everything about it is in place. That same root word is being used here for us in our suffering. As it was used in Jesus' suffering, it is something we use in our suffering. Lord, perfect us. Lord, make us complete. It's the perfecting power. What's the personal fruit of suffering? In Hebrews 12, 11, it says this, No discipline, no suffering seems pleasant at the time. There's nobody I know, even, even me, thinking this was a good year and God's done great things in my life. It wasn't pleasant. If any of you raise your hands on this one, we're going to talk later. It wasn't pleasant, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I want to give you two examples. One is Pharaoh. Here is a guy who was not trained by the suffering that he experienced. Here were these these plagues that took place. He could have been trained by them, but instead he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart. And he wasn't trained by them. And so there was no harvest of righteousness in his life. He was destroyed by the fact that his heart was hardened. He resisted the suffering, and his heart was hard. And this harvest of righteousness didn't come. And then we have have Joseph. Joseph suffered. He went to jail. His, His brothers rejected him. He was accused of all kinds of things. He was left alone for years in jail. And then when he finally gets out and becomes one of the most powerful men in the land, his brothers come to him because they were the major contributors in his suffering. And they were worried and they were fearful. And in that jail cell, he could have become bitter. He could have hardened his heart as Pharaoh did. But instead... His heart was open to God. He was trained by this discipline, something he didn't deserve, something he didn't, I'm sure he wondered why. Can you imagine years in jail and things you didn't do, and you think, why am I here? Why am I here? But he was trained by this. And because of that, there was a harvest of righteousness. And in that harvest, he was able to tell his brothers, I know you meant this for harm, but God meant it for good. God means what we are going through for good today. For good today. Be trained by this. Be trained by it. You know, diamonds, you probably have heard this uh Description that diamonds, you know, it's under a lot of pressure, that uh, a diamond becomes a diamond. It's made from carbon. We're 20% carbon, almost. And uh, we're, we're kind of in this state, and we're like diamonds. And you know, I, I went a little deeper to, to discover exactly what it takes to make a diamond. You might be a little surprised. It's, it's carbon that's, that reaches a temperature of 2,000 degrees. The heat is on. Do you sense the heat being on in your life, in this world, in this season that we're facing? The heat is on. 2,000 degrees. Consuming fire. It's not just that. Now, in order for a diamond to become a diamond, it needs 725,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. 2,000 degrees. Pressing in on 725,000 pounds per inch of pressure to make a diamond. And it doesn't stop there. According to science, we know God can do whatever he wants, but according to science, it takes 1 to 2 billion years for this to happen. 2,000 degrees. Pressure that's unbearable and unimaginable over a ridiculous amount of time. How many of you are sick and tired of the amount of time that we've walked through this suffering? Well, if you're a diamond, it's going to take a lot longer than that. (laughs) So that's the personal fruit of suffering. God wants to do something. He wants a harvest of righteousness from each one of us. And then there's the the external fruit of suffering. And I'm going to have the, the band come on up right now while I finish this. What's the external fruit of suffering? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 1. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, all of our sufferings. So that, there's another so that, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You are a weak clay jar with the glory of God in you, withstanding the great pressure and pain and heat and time of the struggle and the suffering that we face in our lives. To the glory of God. We are being held up. We have no idea why. But we could tell everyone around us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus that's doing this. Can we put up that picture? This is a picture that, that uh, Cynthia and I took. In, um, in Bryce Canyon. I thought this tree was so crazy. This is at the very very top of Bryce Canyon. And uh, you could see that there is life at the top of this tree, right? But if you look down, the the very the very twisted roots are are being held in this dirt and and you just wonder how roots got like that through the weather that they face through the through the uh, the the wind and the rain and the the intense heat down there that faced and all the erosion and yet it is still dug into the dirt holding on each one of us is like this tree That we can go, and we can go to people, and we can say, your hope can be in the Lord. And although we look like this, we are alive, and we are being held together by the glory, and the grace, and the strength, and the power, and the goodness of a living God. Amen.